Last week, uh, Kim and I uh, spent some time with about 30 pastors and their wives uh, down in Florida. It's a wonderful place to suffer for Jesus. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, you do, you do open up the drapes and you see the gulf, you know. I mean, so uh, that's, that's a special place for me anyway. So uh, uh, this is a group, interestingly enough, that uh, my dad and a couple other pastors started in 1984. And uh, some of you weren't born yet. You can't fathom somebody as old as I am. But I know I don't look it, but it's true. So in 84, Dad started this group with a couple other pastors. And uh, it continues. And then a few years ago, they thought Kim and I should lead, be the leaders of it, which uh, I thought was a privilege. And it's, it's really not. It's kind of a burden. But we'll do it. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, anyway, it's, it's, some, it's some work. But thank Thank the good Lord for this assistant I have named Joe Travis, who coordinates all that. But we gathered together over in Destin and, uh, and had just a, a magical time together, frankly. It was just really, really good. And um, while there, we began receiving emails that something was happening in Wilmore, Kentucky. And uh, yeah. And... Um, it was pretty special, and uh, one of the pastors there uh, happened to be very much tied into Asbury and the seminary and the school, the university there. And we began to realize that there was something happening. It started in chapel uh, two weeks ago on Wednesday, and it's still going. The service has not stopped. It's still going. So... Um, we decided to spend some time in prayer, and I always ask these pastors and their wives to tell us, what's your highest high, your lowest low? Because we as pastors know we have those. We have them when we really can't talk about them, when it's really not appropriate to uh, air all that out in front of everybody we lead. And it was a pretty powerful moment, and then we decided to, let's just spend some time in prayer. We always do this. Went around the circle and uh, had some prayer time. But what happened is, some started getting up from their seat and walking over to one of the pastors or their wives uh, and, and uh, putting their hands on their shoulders. And they walked over there and they put their hands on the shoulders and would pray. And so we kind of picked up on that and it became something pretty powerful for us. And then uh, I got, we, uh, toward the end of last week, I uh, was getting some texts from uh, some of our staff here uh, Blake Baston and uh, Cole and some others, Josh, who were thinking about our staff meeting we would have this past Tuesday. And uh, we have our all staff meeting and um, we were talking about this. And so Blake, I think, had a, you know, he said, why don't we just not do any business? Let's just not, let's meet this week, but let's not go through the typical things we need to go through or typically go through. There's a lot going on here. There's a hundred of us uh, making it happen. And God has been kind and gracious. So long story shorter, we ended up um, in the chapel foyer. We didn't want to sit in rows of chairs. We wanted to see where we could look at each other. So we did. So over in the chapel in Oklahoma City, we set up, they set up 100 chairs and got us all in there in the foyer, the chapel foyer. Big round table in the middle of the room. Communion was ready for us to share. 
altar rails. We brought those out of the chapel and brought them into the foyer, put them around the table. And something special happened. We weren't trying to make something happen. It just happened. And I want you to know the team that serves all of us. Every corner, every pocket of this thing called crossings. And we never dreamed it would get this out of control. <laughs> but you would not have believed what you saw happen, what I saw happening. We didn't plan it, we didn't say to do anything. We just said, let's be together, let's face each other, and let's spend some time just praying. I shared some thoughts, kind of a diva of sorts. And then all of a sudden, they started getting up and walking over to one of their colleagues, putting their hands on their shoulders, praying. It was a powerful moment. We weren't trying to make something happen. We weren't trying to manipulate a moment, but it just happened. What is typically a one-hour meeting turned into two, and all we did was pray, kneel at altars, have people pray for us. We prayed for others, for each other. This is your team that serves in all these places we find ourselves. And God moved and did something pretty special. You know, let me tell you, the, the Asbury Revival, there was an, this happened in 1970, interestingly enough. They just went to chapel a week ago Wednesday, thinking it'd just be a chapel service. And it's still going on. Hadn't stopped yet. Young college students, folks, college students, are coming by the busload to Asbury. And we're reminded this young generation is just hungry for something real. Something real, just knowing that God loves them and they can worship and praise him. It's a pretty special thing happening. I think they've found something that's important. Now, let me, under, let me just, uh, for, for the sake of uh, clarity, uh, Asbury and, and we're, you know, we're West, our roots are Wesleyan. And Wesleyans are kind of afraid of anything that looks remotely close to charismatic. You know, but we're still not sure we can raise our hands. You know, we're, I grew up in it, even now it's like, I have to do, you know, on some Sundays. I, <laughs> And the reason I tell you that is I just can assure you there's nothing about this revival taking place in all kinds of places, whether it was a conference room in Florida, our rooms here in Oklahoma City, a staff meeting on Tuesday, whatever it is. And it's real. It's, I mean, it is really special. And yet all I find sometimes in the news how divided we are. Pastors, authors, Christian authors lobbying their complaints and their ugliness toward another Christian leader or pastor. This week, it was interesting, I, I read this on social media, uh, Patrick Mahomes, who won the Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, a week ago, was talking about the quarterback on the opposing team, Jalen Hurts. 
I was talking about the quarterback there for uh, uh, Philadelphia. Here's what he said about his, his counterpart, I guess. If there was any doubt left, there shouldn't be by now. I mean, the way Jalen stepped up on this stage and ran and threw the ball, whatever it took for his team to win. And th this is from Patrick Mahomes, who won the Super Bowl, to his friend Jalen Hurts, who was on the quarterback for the other team. I mean, it was a special performance, and I don't want it to get lost in the loss. I mean, even whenever we, we got all the momentum in that game, and we went up eight points in the fourth quarter, for him to respond and move his team down the football field and run in himself in a two-point conversion, it was a special performance by him. And I mean, you make sure you appreciate that when you look back on this game. So I read that, and it's wonderful, and I thought if two quarterbacks on opposing teams in the Super Bowl can be kind toward each other, why can't we who claim to follow Christ do the same? What is it? So we have different doctrinal positions, and doctrine is doctrine. Is, you know, everybody comes out of some camp or another, and, and even as Wesleyans, we've got a camp, I suppose, but we really, as you know, this church exists to help people find, see, follow Jesus. Because he's the reason we exist. He's the reason we're here. James 5, 16 says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's what people of Jesus do. That's what James is saying we're to do. And again, I grew up in church. And church was the last place you'd ever go and confess anything unless you wanted the whole community to know about it. And one thing I appreciate about this church is you understand when someone asks you to pray for them, you do. And you really don't need any more information. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. So why? So we can be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. I'm going to leave this up. Confess your sins to one another. It says you, you don't have to do that in a certain place or to a certain person. It doesn't have to be a pastor that might be credentialed and have a license and an ordination. No, just confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Why? Because then you'll be healed. Pray for one another. James makes two very important statements here. First, he says that prayer is powerful and effective. Whenever we get exactly what we're asking for, it's always powerful. Moment when God, you know, with God, when we pray and lean into him and lean into him for strength and even in the trials of life. Prayer is very powerful, it's very effective, and prayer always brings results of some kind. What we need to remember is it doesn't happen overnight. It won't happen the next day. 
It may take years. I know people who've been praying. In fact, we have people who've been praying for this church who were here the first Sunday it started in 1959, and they're still here, still praying, still thanking God for answering the prayer in this way. They never thought they'd be beyond 150 people. I never thought we'd be beyond 150 people, and they're still today, those who remain, praying for this church, praying that God would move among us, praying that people would see Jesus, who loves us unconditionally and went to a cross to prove it. We as Christians, as people who follow Christ, James is saying we have an interdependence on each other. So just think of the kind of people we would be if we didn't need anybody else. If we never had a meaningful relationship or friendship with a like-minded follower of Jesus. I have a lot of friends. Some believe in Jesus and some don't. I like that about my life. I'm glad I can have friends. And what happens occasionally is all of a sudden I find out, well, they've been in church. I didn't know you were coming to church. I didn't think you liked church. It's just, if, if we just do what we're called to do and just live what we say we believe, there's some powerful things that Jesus can do in our lives. And when we choose to not engage with others in the body of Christ, you know what happens? We're lonely, isolated, have no means of seeing things differently or seeing ourselves differently because we need each other and we need other people in our lives. So to combat our self-sufficient tendencies, God created us with a need for him and a need for each other. Prayer is the language that we have in common that draws us together as human beings and closer to the one who made us. He put this in us. When we pray for one another, we're doing what the scripture calls an intercessory prayer. We're praying an intercessory prayer. Big word, it's easy to get confused in it, but it's real simple. An intercessor is one who initiates action on behalf of someone else. That's what an intercessor is. Making an appeal or a petition on behalf of someone else. So it, it, it's a big word, but Whenever someone says to me, will you pray for me? And I say, yes, I will. You, you know, first of all, I, I've got to write it down or I'm, I won't remember it. But then it, we have to say, if I say yes, if you say yes, somebody wants you to pray for them, then what we have to do is we better be sure we do. Romans eight thirty four, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He intercedes for us. So when we're praying for another person, we are, the, the, I guess the biblical word is interceding or intercessory prayer. That's prayer for another person. Romans 8, 26, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Have you ever been in a moment where you, you, you're praying, you knew you needed to pray, you needed to go to the Lord in prayer, and you don't even know what to say? And sometimes you walk, man, I can't even talk to Jesus. If I can't talk to Jesus, who can I talk to? Well, no, no, it's okay. There are times we're on our knees, and we don't know what to say. I mean, there's been a lot of times I'll pray. I mean, in this journey called crossings, are you kidding? I've gone to the Lord in prayer and I've, and I've said, Lord, I'm not sure what to say. So I'm not gonna say anything. 
sometimes it might be some good music. It might be I'm drawn to a scripture. There are times it's okay to say one simple phrase. Lord, I need you. I really can't even put in the words. I need so much, I'm not even sure how to say it. Have you ever felt like you need to say to God, Lord, I'm so sorry, I keep bugging you? <laughs> yes, I know I'm needy. Hebrews 7, verse 24 and 25, but because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to what? Intercede with God on our behalf. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great prayer and produces wonderful results. That's why it's so important that we are willing to pray for one another. To pray for one another. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us and God understands what's going on. He understands our pain. He understands our foolishness. He understands our need for forgiveness. He understands the difficulties, even when we can't put it into words. And he uses us to do this on behalf of another. He uses us to help other people not feel alone and helpless. He uses us to find the right words to say for someone around us that we might be praying for in times of difficulty. Paul said to Timothy, First uh, Timothy 2.1, the first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray for everyone you know. Have you ever gotten your contacts on your, your, contacts on your iPhone? Just start praying down. I mean, take us. I mean, take us days, probably. Why would someone ask us to pray? Why would someone ask you to pray for them? Well, one, they know you. Hopefully, or they believe if they ask you to pray, you'll do it. Or they're burdened and they're troubled, and you seem to be someone they can confide in for prayer. Or maybe they need some relief from heaven. Self. So here's some practical ways we can pray for each other. First, ask someone you know well and fully trust to pray for you. All right? Now, if you want someone to pray for you, that's a good thing. But be sure, depending on where this is going to go, depending on what you want to admit, depending on what you want to say at some point, make, it, make sure it's somebody you know well, you trust them. And what you might confess to them or what you might say to them as to why you need prayer, they'll pray and not feel a need to tell somebody else, you can't believe what so-and-so is messed up in. If you're going to pray for somebody or if somebody asks you to pray for them, make sure you ask someone you know well and you trust them to pray for you. That's very important. Secondly, if someone asks you to pray for them, do that. Now watch this, but do not offer counsel. So here's my point. There are times someone wants us to pray for them, and we'll do that, but then we start giving our advice. Now there's times that's appropriate, but what we have to be very careful of is becoming a counselor in a moment when what they need is prayer, they don't need our advice. There are millions of different views on every issue we may have. If you're struggling in your marriage, you may get a different answer from five different people on what you ought to do about it. 
Even if, if there was a point, I always thought a pastor, they counseled people. People would come see me, they want to talk. It's some issue in their life, and, and I was supposed to be able to sit there and listen. And of course, there's been times through the years, you know, I was in my you know, 20s when they asked me uh, in a moment of deep weakness to be the pastor of the church. And, and people would come in and they'd start telling me things they wanted me to pray. And I, I wanted to go, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> there came a point when I realized I, I was there to pray for somebody. I was not there to advise them. Be careful. Don't get those mixed up. There's a vast difference between what I might say to someone as wise counsel versus what a professional Christian counselor might say to them. So be careful of that. I think sometimes we believe someone's asking us to pray for them and we're supposed to advise them. Now, if you, you, know, you got good friends or praying for you, clearly, if you want their advice, ask for it. But be careful, because only God knows the depth of the situation they may be dealing with. So ask someone you know well, and if someone asks you to pray for them, do that. If you say yes, write it down or whatever, but you need to start praying for the person who's asked you to pray, because we need to pray for one another. And then third, make some notes of your thoughts as you pray for another person. Kind of write down some things maybe you've talked about. Or write down perhaps a thought that you got out of the blue from God to give this to another person so they can be encouraged. So you can pray for them and encourage them. As you spend time in prayer each day for someone who's trusted you to pray for them, make some thoughts, make some notes. Now here's a really important one. They're all important, but here's one. But when someone asks you to pray for them, be sure you're prepared to bear the weight, the weight of the one you're praying for. Because they may ask you something to, that they want you to pray about that's really heavy. Maybe we've all had friends or we've all on our own been in some pretty tough situations. When someone asks me to pray for them or someone asks you to pray for them, are you really ready for what it may bring? Be prepared to bear the weight, the heaviness of one you're praying for. When someone shares a prayer request with you, make sure you're ready to really pray and be diligent in prayer. And as we pray for each other and carry one another's burdens, the Bible says, things can sometimes get heavy or serious. So this can't be a casual thing. When someone says, I really need you to pray for me, if you say, yes, I will, make sure you do. It's critically important. And then find times that you're gonna to meet together occasionally. Maybe it'll be quick, a quick meeting, maybe it'll be a phone call, but stay in touch with each other. And don't hesitate. I wanna to say to you, church, don't hesitate to let us pray for you. Every one of our rooms where people are gathered right now, there's the prayer walls in the back of every room. The idea for me came out of uh, the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. If you go there and you'll see people standing at this massive rock wall and they might be praying or, or uh, doing what they're doing and they, they, roll these, they write these things down, they roll them up and they stick them in, the, in between the rock and the wall. 
So to some degree, our prayer walls, again, in every room, is like a wailing wall. It's a wall where you write something down and you put it in there knowing that through the week and over time, all kinds of people will be taking that out of the wall, looking at it and praying for you. It's powerful prayer. It's what we do. It's what we're supposed to do. It's what God has in mind. So let's utilize the opportunities we have to have someone else praying for us we may not know. You can sign your name on the little papers you put in the walls or not. But you're gonna be prayed for either way. Let's pray for one another. Second Thessalonians 1.11, we constantly pray for you. Surely you know you can pray. It's not limited to a time slot. Some people get up at 6 a.m. and pray. Kim gets up at 6 a.m. and runs. I lay in bed and pray for her until I fall back to sleep. <laughs> Lord, protect her. Help those girls to, you know, stay safe out there. Now, if I really loved her, I guess I'd get up and at least follow her. Get in the car and follow her. You know, make sure they're good. We constantly pray for one another. That's what a church does. That's what a Christian, that's what a follower of Jesus does. That's what we do. We pray for each other. And whatever's shared with us, we keep in confidence. Second Thessalonians, it says this, so keep on praying. We constantly pray for you. What? Asking God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. Worthy of his call. Back to Romans 8, 34. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life at the right hand of God is interceding for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Nobody. Nothing. So I hope today, perhaps you realize what a gift it is when someone asks you to pray for them. And I hope you understand if, you're not, if you've been afraid to ask someone to pray for you, perhaps this will be a day you're, ready, you're really willing or ready to say to someone, will you pray for me? And you may say, here's what's going on. And you also may say, can't talk about it now, just pray for me. One of the constant prayers I ask others to pray for me is wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom and discernment. Wisdom and discernment. That I may know what I need to know that I may sense the moving of the Holy Spirit to know where he wants to take me. What's he want to do? What does the Spirit of God want out of each of us? Scott McKnight, wonderful, wonderful theologian and writer, he says this, a suggestion. In our prayers for our families, we could perhaps ponder each person in our family with this question, what can I do for you today? And in so doing, our prayers for our families will become both private prayers of love and plans of love for the day. You know what? Whether it's your kids, your family, close friend, no one is bothered when you encourage them. No one is bothered when you say, hey, thinking about you today. 
praying for you today. Nothing in particular, you just came to mind. The one and others are very simple statements. But the power comes in doing it. In doing for one another what we learn the scripture is asking us to do for each other. As we do each week, I'm going to pray to uh, close us out. Our prayer teams will be coming to the front of every room, even now. They'll come to the front. They'll be available to pray for you. Whatever's on your mind, whatever you need you might have, everybody who's standing in front of you uh, in, in all of our rooms, there are people we've asked because we trust them to pray for you about whatever's on your mind. We believe in praying for one another. Of course, the prayer walls are there. There's a lot of ways for us to be given the privilege to pray for each other. So consider that. And if you're holding back, you're afraid to say to someone, I need prayer. You're afraid they might ask for what? Don't be afraid. Just say to someone, will you just simply pray for me? That God will speak to me. That God will lead me in the right direction, wherever that may be, however long it might take. Let's pray. Father, how thankful we are for the power the power and the simplicity, both at the same time of your word. Father, the Bible is so powerful to us in giving us simple truth, other truth that we will never understand this side of heaven. But Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to be in the body of Christ and to have the privilege to encourage someone else by simply praying for them. Father, may we be a praying church. In Jesus' name, amen.